Welcome to another episode of Emmy's Insight. It's your host, Emmy, and today I thought I would jump into an educational episode. So for those who don't know, I am in my third year this year of sports and exercise science, and I study that at Sydney University, and I really enjoy my degree. So I get asked a lot like, oh, what are your thoughts on sports and exercise science when people hear that I do it? And I'm like, okay, like honestly, yes, I get stressed from studying and I don't know exactly where I'm going to go from this, but in terms of the content, I really enjoy it. Some of it is quite difficult. Some of my favorite subjects that I've done so far are biomedical science, neuroscience, nutrition. That was definitely one of my favorites, nutrition, health and performance, training adaptations, and just a lot about physiology and the body. So I really enjoy learning the body systems kind of content. There were a couple of subjects that uh, weren't the most fun. For example, functional musculoskeletal anatomy or just anatomy, worst subject. I Actually not the worst, but I really didn't like it. It was very hard because you have to learn so much, like all the different names of the bone markings and it's ridiculous. And every second word is in a different language because it's mostly Latin. And we had to do a lot of study with cadavers for that. So that was not the most fun thing to do once a week in the lab with, if you don't know what a cadaver is, I'm just going to tell you, it's a dead body with the skin and blood all gone. So you see all the arteries, veins and the muscles. It was quite confronting. Then biochemistry was also very hard, but very interesting because it was all about the body, how we break down and use food as fuel and just very, very detailed. But anyway, that was just a brief gist of what I study. So a lot about the body, exercise physiology, how our body systems work, all about training, exercise science and anatomy. So that is what I study. Today in this episode, I wanted to get into an episode about calories. So basically energy. So I want to go into what they are, how they're used by the body, and also why your smartwatch is very inaccurate. Because I see so many people posting on their Instagram story after their like 40-minute workout that they burned 890 calories and they're like, hard one this morning. And yes, it's like very interesting to see the energy used, but you have to you have to realize that your watch does not know how many calories you burn. It's making a very rough estimate and smartwatches, a study has shown that smartwatches can be up to 50% wrong, which is huge, but I will explain how we actually measure how much energy we've expended. And obviously from that knowledge, you'll realize that your watch can only give you a very rough estimate because, well, it does not know how much oxygen you've consumed and how metabolically active your muscles have been in your 40 minute workout. So your watch is giving you a very rough estimate. Personally, I disregard the calories burnt on my watch. Like I look at it for interest, but I disregard it because first of all, I know it's inaccurate. Second of all, I don't want to be, you know, obsessed by that and caught up by a negative mindset around calories either. And I have obviously gone a lot in depth throughout my social media platforms, especially YouTube, on my own experience with an eating disorder and anorexia. So I do want to include a trigger warning. If talking about calories is triggering to you, please don't listen to this podcast. This is not meant to be triggering at all. It's just educational. Food is fuel. Calories are energy and we need energy to survive. If we went a few weeks without eating, we would 
die. So calories are important to <laughs> consume so that you can survive. And if you train, you need them to fuel your workout. Humans need about 2000 a day as a minimum adults that is so if you're training you're going to need more than that because you're going to use more energy if you have more muscle you're going to need more energy because you have more metabolically active tissue if you're a taller human being a more active human being there's so many factors so how many calories a person needs is so individual and so day-to-day people who track their calories meticulously and religiously every day it's so unnatural like that humans think about it over the last centuries or millions of years that we've evolved it's only been in the last couple of years where people have started to track calories and get disordered eating patterns you have to learn to listen to your body and know when how much energy you need listen to it when it's hungry fuel it with the right stuff and when it's full stop if you're in a place where you're at a healthy weight and you can listen to your body so obviously if you are trying to gain weight you don't always need to listen to when you're full. Like that doesn't necessarily mean stop. But I'm just adding this little preface to encourage you to not count and track your calories because it is quite a disordered behavior. And frankly, it's just no way to live your life to be so obsessed and constantly controlling and thinking of food. Anyway, that was just a little trigger. This is not to be triggering. It's all just educational. So remember, energy is fuel that you need to thrive, survive, and have the best life. Like give yourself energy to live an energetic and beautiful life. So let's jump straight into it. So what is calories? What is a calorie? What are calories? Calories are energy. Dietitians and scientists use kilojoules and for every one kilocalorie, there is 4.18 kilojoules. So if you look at the packaging on most foods in Australia, they write kilojoules. The law is that you have to have kilojoules. You don't need to have calories. So everything you look at on a packet will have the kilojoules listed. So for example, if it has a thousand kilojoules, you divide that by 4.18 and whatever number that is, is how many calories are in that food. So the average adult needs around, the average adult female needs around 2000 calories a day. And if you're training, you will need more than that, but it is very different for every individual. So it's very dependent on your unique situation. So that is a kilocalorie. When people talk in calories, like for example, if someone says that apple has 80 calories, that is actually 80 kilocalories. It's actually 80,000 calories. But because those numbers are too big to work in, we say kcal or just calories. So one cal is 4.18 joules. 1,000 calories is 4,180 joules. And one kilocalorie is 4.18 kilojoules. So because we measure in kilojoules, we measure in kilocalories, but we all just call it calories. And this is getting really confusing. So I'm going to give an example. If you have an apple and, you know, your fitness tracker says 80 calories, which is how we, how we measure it, it actually has 80 kilocalories and 80,000 calories. Basically, we call it calories. It's technically kilocalories. And then that's why we call it kilojoules, not joules, because those numbers would just get way too big to work in. So moving on, because this is just going to go around in circles. So as I said, calories are energy. So what does it actually mean by energy? So it is food energy. So a calorie is the quantity of heat needed to raise the temperature of one milliliter or one gram of water by one degree. So for example, 
if you have a 72 kilocalorie apple, or we just call it 72 calories, that means releasing the energy trapped in that apple increases the temperature of 72 liters of water by one degree. And that's how we work out that it's 72 calories. So that is basically what a calorie is. So all food is made up of calories because it provides us with energy. Basically, food is fuel and it's made up of energy or calories. And we need to eat that to sustain life functions and to fuel ourselves. So the calories in food is measured usually using, I'm very sorry about this word. I don't know how to say it properly, but bomb calorie meters or calorie meters. I'm so sorry. Bomb calorie meters. A bomb calor cal- frick, I can't say this word, but it's basically this kind of tool that scientists use in a lab and they place food in a sealed container and it's surrounded by water and they heat it until the food's completely burned. And then they can record how much the temperature of the water rose in order to burn that food and we can calculate the amount of calories in that product. There are other ways to measure as well. I actually, I used to imagine it as like this little kind of, kind of like a tin situation in this like industrial looking lab and and the scientists will pop in an apple or a burger or whatever it may be and then it'll burn up and the little, and then a little number will light up saying how many calories was in it. But one of my uni lecturers told me that they actually powdered the food first so he said they would get powdered big mac like a big mac powder it down and then that's how it goes in the bomb calorimeter i'm so sorry that i can't say this word please forgive me but anyway that is how they measure food and that's how they get a label on foods in the supermarket saying how many kilojoules or calories is in that food however those labels can be inaccurate i'm pretty sure the law is more strict in australia but in america i think the law is they can be 20 percent inaccurate so there's a 20 percent error margin that is still legal so they could be saying there's a lot less calories in the food than is actually on the packet but anyway so that is what calories are i also wanted to explain macronutrients so all food is made up of calories and all food is also made up of macronutrients so we have macro and micronutrients so macronutrients are the major nutrients which all foods are made up of so each food will fall into one macronutrient category depending on what what it is mostly made up of so the three main macronutrients are carbohydrates proteins and fats All foods are either a carbohydrate, a fat, or a protein. However, nothing is a pure, that's a lie. Some things are a pure carb and fat. Most foods that we eat aren't a pure carbohydrate, fat, or protein. They have a little bit of all of them. So I'm going to give you some examples. So per 100 grams of broccoli, there is 7 grams of carbs, 2.8 grams of protein and 0.4 grams of fat. So it has a little bit of everything, but it's majority of carb with protein. It's pretty low carb though. So that's more of a micronutrient food. Let's go into a fat. An example of a fat is avocado, a very healthy and nutritious fat, but still a fat. Per 100 grams of avocado, There's 15 grams of fat, 9 grams of carbs, and 2 grams of protein. So it's considered a fat because it's mostly fat, but it still has some source of carb and a tiny bit of protein. Tofu is considered a protein, but per 100 grams, there's 8 grams of protein, 4.8 grams of fat, and 1.9 grams of carbohydrates. And so these are all examples of things that are a combination of 
all three macros like sweet potato we would consider that a carbohydrate per 100 grams there's 20 grams of carbs so it's higher in carbs than protein and fat there's only 0.1 grams of fat and 1.6 grams of protein so that's a carbohydrate and it's pretty the other examples i gave were more had more of a combination of other macronutrients whereas sweet potato is significantly a carbohydrate and these are healthy whole foods whereas if you looked at more processed foods like for example white rice instead of brown rice or white bread that would have a much much higher proportion of carbohydrates than the other macronutrients and then we have foods like eggs which have seven grams of protein but also five grams of fat so they can be considered both a protein and a fat source so that's the three main macronutrients carbs fats and proteins and these three macronutrients are all made up of energy or calories so if we look at it in terms of calories not kilojoules proteins and carbs both have a similar amount they have about four calories per gram and fats is much more energy dense it has nine calories per gram so that is why a lot of people try low fat diets to lose weight because they will be eating less calories. However, all three macronutrients are essential and very important for your health. There are also some other not so main macronutrients. So alcohol actually has seven calories per gram. So it's in between the four for protein and carbs and the nine for fat. And fiber, which we get through micronutrients, so veggies. Fiber is actually the non-digestible part of a lot of carbohydrates so it's essential to have carbohydrates in your diet to get fiber there's next to no calories in fiber but it is essential so i just want to quickly touch on why all macronutrients are essential because there are some diets such as the keto diet which completely cuts out one of the macronutrient groups and that cuts out carbs so it is usually high in fat and protein and this diet is just not sustainable and it's not healthy long term and probably short-term for most humans. There are some exceptions. For example, people with chronic diseases like diabetes or who are very obese. However, for most individuals, it's unhealthy. It's just not good for you. So basically having no carbs will deplete the body of glycogen. So that's our predominant source of energy. Our brain needs glycogen for fuel. It basically leads to starvation. So our body ends up having to break down our own muscle tissue and fat stores to use as fuel as your body starts to get into starvation mode and it's not getting glycogen. And because we need a certain amount of body fat and we obviously need muscle tissue, proteins make up our body like our hair, our nails, our skin, our muscles, our organs. We don't want to have that breaking down, but fat, we need a certain percent of fat. So for people who are a healthy weight or underweight, restricting carbs is starvation and you will deplete. It also, restricting carbohydrates also impacts the ability to metabolize carbohydrates if you were to start eating them again. So when you start eating them again, because your body becomes fat adapted, it can't properly metabolize the carbohydrates that you eat. And on top of that, a keto diet is usually not getting a good amount of fiber or enough fiber. So fiber, we mainly get from our veggies or micronutrients and fiber comes from part of plants that provide rigidity to the structure. 
So it is the edible parts of plants or grains that are resistant to digestion and absorption in the small intestine. So soluble fiber can be digested and insoluble fiber helps the large intestine microbes. So in our gut, the flora tries to ferment the fiber and it helps them to grow. So when you hear people say like a healthy gut microbiome, eat probiotics for a healthy gut microbiome, your gut is challenged by fiber and it helps the microbes in your gut grow and flourish and have a healthy gut with regular bowel movements. It also helps with disease prevention and it also helps keep you fuller for longer. So all macronutrients are important. I'll quickly just explain a little bit about each macronutrient and why they are necessary. Before we get back into our calorie chat we also have micronutrients i should add and micronutrients are things like vitamins and minerals which we get from veggies and fruits if you made a nourish bowl for example they always say have a source of protein carbs fats and micronutrients and micronutrients would be things like veggies like spinach kale I really don't know why I'm listing veggies right now because we all know veggies, but things that are super nutrient dense, full of vitamins, but they don't offer much in terms of energy or a specific macronutrient. So as I said, all macronutrients are essential. We have carbohydrates and that's just the most basic form of energy used in the body. We need carbs for our brain to function. On average, we need about 120 grams of glucose for the brain to work. And carbohydrates are made up of individual units called monosaccharides. So an example of a food that is a pure macronutrient is pure sugar, which is just carbohydrates. There's no protein or fat. So carbohydrates are stored as glycogen in the liver and muscles. And we break down glycogen through glycolysis to provide our cells with energy. So carbohydrates are essential for energy they provide us with energy for our nervous system our heart our brain our muscles our organs they also provide us with fiber as i mentioned as well as vitamins and minerals and that's just the most rough and basic outline of why they're important for us next we have proteins so proteins are made up of amino acids and Proteins are the way we perform different functions. So we rely on proteins. So proteins are found in our muscle tissue and we rely on them to build up our body, our muscle tissue, but also our hair, our skin, our nails. And in exceptional circumstances, we sometimes use them as fuel. So this is like, for example, when you're in starvation and there's nothing else for your body to break down, it will start to tap into your protein, break down your muscles because it needs to get fuel from somewhere to survive. So another reason why you don't want to starve yourself. So proteins are essential for growth and repair of body tissues. They make enzymes, antibodies, hormones, and they are essential for recovery. So if you're training, especially doing weights training where you're breaking down your muscles and getting those micro tears and muscle damage, you need protein to help recover as well as carbohydrates. You need protein to help rebuild that damaged muscle tissue and for the growth of those muscles to not only repair themselves, but to get to another level that they hadn't been to before and get stronger. So that's how the concept of, you know, building muscle works basically. And then we have fats or lipids and these are so important they have so many functions they're important for protection of our internal organs hormonal health carrying fat soluble vitamins which is a d e and k those vitamins need fats fats are important for supporting organs they are necessary for 
cell membranes for insulation. One of the symptoms of being way too under fat is that you are freezing all of the time because your body needs some body fat. It needs it for its ability to maintain homeostasis, including thermoregulation. So its ability to keep you warm when it gets cold. Yeah, so lipids are very important for functioning, especially for the structure and function of cell membranes, which is so important for our optimal functioning in the body. And they also are a fuel store. So we do have fat stores in our body, which can be used as fuel. And they do have a role as intracellular and extracellular messengers and signal molecules in our body for all the processes that are going on in there. So there are different types of fat. So for all macronutrients, carbs, fats, and proteins, we know that there's healthier and less healthier options. I'm not promoting to be afraid of foods at all, but obviously the foods that aren't as healthy, you would have in moderation if you were to have them. So for example, a carbohydrate, we know sweet potato is so much better for us than a donut. Obviously I've explained that they aren't just a pure carb. However, they are classified as a carbohydrate But those foods are so much more processed and that can be more inflammatory and they're just less nutrient dense. Same as with fat, there's different types of fats. So monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats are much healthier for us and they have lots of purposes for our health. And these are things like avocado, nuts, olive oil, whereas saturated and trans fats are things that are dangerous for our health if you were to consume them regularly and these are things that you know they say have in moderation don't be afraid but they're things like butter fried foods deli meats processed meats coconut oil falls into this category sorry to those health influencers that harp on about coconut oil it is definitely an in moderation food it has more saturated fat than butter does for the same quantity and those are the things that lead to like chronic diseases and the in moderation foods But don't be afraid of food. Basically, all types of macronutrients are important and you want to focus on the higher quality, nutrient-dense foods. So that is food examples. So now we know what calories are. We know some food examples. We know macronutrients and micronutrients. We know how they're consumed. We eat them. But how do we burn them? So that's what I wanted to get into. And I actually went to watch an old video of mine that I posted where I was explaining how cardio does in fact use more energy or burn more calories than weightlifting because you hear how people say like weights burns more calories than cardio it doesn't however it does build more muscle mass and having more muscle mass will increase your resting metabolic rate because you have more metabolically active tissue which means you're requiring more energy to survive and sustain yourself however For the activity you're doing, if you did an hour of weightlifting or an hour of running, the hour of running or cardio will burn 10 times as many calories as the hour of weightlifting. But that's not to say one is better than the other. Training is not all about burning calories. If anything, it's not about that at all. Training is about what it does for your body, for your health and for your mental health. That's another one. But for your physical states, cardio is short for cardiorespiratory training and that just means you're working your aerobic system so when you're breathing heavily you're doing cardio and both weightlifting and cardio I feel so weird calling it cardio because as an athlete calling it cardio seems so basic Um, but aerobic training is what we would usually call cardio that is so important for so many processes in your body 
and weightlifting is so important for so many other processes in your body and cardio I'm not going to go into them all now because there's so many but cardio it's so important for your your heart health your circulation your lungs strength weights or resistance training is so important for your muscle function and muscle growth and development and honestly these are the most basic descriptions like the list of the importance of them goes on so we won't get into that now because there is just too much to get into really so it is very complex how each fuel is used and in the body to create energy so I won't go into the most in detail explanation because well it's taken me about a year of uni to understand and like 16 weeks of the most ridiculous biochemistry subject one semester I can't explain in one podcast honestly I can barely explain it myself it's very difficult but I just want to give like a rough outline of how we measure how calories are burnt and from that you can work out why your sports watch is wrong so we know we have our macronutrients and we know how many how much energy different macronutrients yield basically the chemical structure of different foods is how we get energy from them so these macronutrients have lots of bonds have lots of carbon hydrogen bonds so if you see the chemical structure of foods the chemical structure there's lots of c's there's lots of h's joined by little lines if you've done chemistry you would probably be like you sound so dumb but i'm trying to make this so that anybody could understand it and each of these carbon hydrogen bonds so it's basically if you imagine a little c and a little h joined by a little line that's our little bond there's lots of energy trapped in those bonds and when we break those bonds we transfer that energy to use to perform biological work aka training we use energy from those bonds to fuel our training and we use that energy by transferring it to a special molecule called ATP so adenosine triphosphate is a molecule is a molecule which we use for energy we break down ATP into ADP so basically is this molecule that's an adenine a ribose sugar and three phosphates attached we break off one phosphate and it becomes ADP instead of ATP so diphosphate instead of triphosphate when we break off that P we use the energy I don't really want to go into ATPs right now because I feel like this is just like year 11 PDHPE I wanted to talk about how we measure how much energy we expend. Okay, before I go into that, I also just want to go back to what I was saying about how cardio uses more energy than weightlifting. I didn't really say why. I just said it does. So let me just like quickly give you a rundown. Okay, when we burn our fuels to make energy, there's different types of metabolism in our body. There's anaerobic metabolism, which is without oxygen, and aerobic metabolism, which is with oxygen. So this means we're using oxygen to burn fuels to create energy. So there's fatty acid oxidation when we're burning fatty acids in our body. And there's also glycogen or glucose oxidation when we're burning glycogen or glucose, which is from carbohydrates. So when you're doing a hard run, for example, cardio work, your heart rate gets really high because you're doing a higher amount of work. You have a greater energy demand. You have to be getting so much more oxygen to your muscles to sustain the work that you're doing. So your heart rate gets so much higher because you're using so much more oxygen to burn fuel and create energy. So the heart is how we deliver fuel sources to our cells through the blood. So we consume more oxygen and our heart is pumping that and trying to get more oxygenated blood to our cells. So when we're consuming more oxygen, we know we're using so much more energy. And if you did a weight session and did a cardio session, look at your heart rate. It's definitely going to be so much higher when you're running. 
So weight training, it doesn't get our heart rate into those aerobic zones where you're using lots of oxygen. However, as I said, it does build muscle, which is more metabolically active. So if you are more muscular, you will have a greater energy expenditure at rest than someone who has less muscle. As fat cells or adipocytes, which just means fat cells, they're not metabolically active. They don't burn calories or require energy or use oxygen. Okay, so now we know we have our macronutrients. The metabolism of each, so the metabolism of protein, fats, and carbs is actually different in the body. However, energy is used at a cellular level for all of them. So this is where it gets really complicated and it's like biochemistry, how the metabolism of each is, oh, it's complicated, man. It was such a hard subject, biochemistry. But I want to get into how we measure how many calories we've burnt. So why is your watch telling you you've burnt 100 calories in your 15-minute run? How does it know that? So your watch is using your heart rate to estimate. Most watches use your heart rate. It depends. Because you can set up like a profile where you put in your height and your weight. Some watches take into account your height, your weight, your age, the amount of movement it's tracking on your watch. However, most watches have a wrist-based heart rate monitor and it measures your heart rate to estimate how many calories you're using and it can't actually account for muscle mass or fat mass and as I said muscle mass is more metabolically active and fat mass is not so that would really impact the amount of energy you've expended so if you have a wrist-based heart rate monitor which most sports watches do because it's on your wrist it measures your heart rate using pulse oximetry and this is basically an infrared light penetrating the skin and it's measuring the changes of the color of your blood because your blood is what is carrying oxygen. It's measuring your heart rate in beats per minute. I should also add that humans are very not efficient. We are not mechanically efficient at using energy. What I mean by this is when we use, when we burn fuel to do work, we use only a small amount of it to actually do that activity. Most of it is lost as heat. So humans are very inefficient and that's why we have to eat 2,000 or more calories a day because we use, we are constantly using it to go to other processes other than activities we're doing. You know, we have to sustain our bodies, our brains. We're losing so much of it as heat. We're only about 20% efficient. And if you think about 20% of 1,000 calories, that is not much at all. We are very inefficient. But it's pretty good that we're inefficient because that means we have to constantly eat. We have to keep eating every couple of hours because we're not efficient at using that fuel. Whereas other species can be much more efficient. They don't need to eat as frequently and as much as we do. Some species, I I have no examples to share with that. But yeah, it's pretty good that we're inefficient because then we get to eat more. And that's nice because eating for humans is a big social thing. Okay, I'm just trying to go through my notes. They're kind of everywhere, so it's very hard to make this succinct and flowing well. So very sorry if this is super confusing. How do we measure how many calories we expend? So calorimetry, I'm so sorry that I'm saying that wrong. It's the science concerning the measurement of heat production in the body. So calorie means heat, metry means science. So it's heat science. It's it's basically a means to quantify our metabolic rate. So an increased metabolism basically shows that there's an increased rate of chemical reactions in the body and that will result in increased release of heat. So when we're working harder, we have increased metabolism because we're metabolizing more fuel because our body needs more energy. So I mentioned direct calorimetry, which is using a bomb calorimeter. 
calorimeter. I'm so sorry that I'm saying that wrong. And we use that to measure how many calories or how much energy is in a particular food. The main way we measure how much energy we expend is using indirect calorimetry. And that involves the measurement of expired gases. So by expired gases, I mean oxygen and carbon dioxide. So I thought I would just add for interest our resting metabolism. So the amount of work or biological work we do when we are at rest, it's pretty significant because of all the processes going on in our body, hence why we are so inefficient as a species. But I thought it would be interesting to explain how much each organ is doing. So from our resting metabolism, about 18% of the energy used is used by the brain. So that's about 240 calories in a day that your brain just uses to function. So you do use a little bit more if you are using your brain more. Your heart uses about 33% because that's what's keeping you alive. It's pumping that blood and getting that oxygen to your body. Your liver uses 15% approximately, your kidneys about 33% and these are doing things that are very essential to your survival like digesting, detoxifying and anyway continuing with how we measure our energy expenditure. So we have direct calorimetry which is a direct measure of the heat produced and therefore the energy used and then we have indirect calorimetry which can measure other parts of the equation which we can then work out. So that's what I was explaining before we measure the oxygen used and carbon dioxide produced. From that we can use calculations to work out how much energy has been expended. So in my first year of uni we did a lot of this indirect calorimetry. What we did was set up people on a bike or a cycle ergometer as it was called and hook them up to a Douglas bag. So a Douglas bag is basically this giant plastic bag. There's a tube connected to that bag and then you put a mouthpiece on the other side of that tube and that's what you breathe into. So while cycling on the bike, we measured how much carbon dioxide and oxygen was collected in that bag. We're basically calculating how much oxygen we've used up and how much carbon dioxide we produce. And this gives us a measure of our aerobic metabolism. So to then work out our expended energy so how much calories how many calories we've burned to do this there are some rules we need to use the knowledge of what we know the percent of atmospheric gases are so we know that the atmosphere is about 21 percent oxygen 0.04 percent carbon dioxide and 79 percent nitrogen and that is what we inspire when we're breathing so that's what we inhale because that's what the atmospheric percent of these gases are. Using that knowledge, we know in that bag, nitrogen is going to remain the same because we don't produce that or use that in the body. So from that, if we can measure the volume of that bag and measure how much gas was breathed out, we know how much was breathed in. We can then calculate how much oxygen was used and how much carbon dioxide was produced. So the oxygen that ends up in that bag is going to be less than 20% because we're going to have used it and the carbon dioxide will be greater than 0.04% as we will have produced it. So once we have these numbers, we then use energy expenditure calculations to measure how much energy we expend. So we convert the volume of oxygen consumed into kilojoules. The golden rule is one liter of oxygen consumed burns 21 kilojoules. And that is not much at all. Let me just 21 divided by four. That's about 5.2 calories. So if you need to consume one liter of oxygen to burn 5.2 calories or 21 kilojoules, 
This means the more oxygen you consume, the more energy you burn or the more calories you burn. So there you can see that if you're doing more aerobic training or your heart rate's getting high, you're needing to breathe more, you're using more oxygen, that you're going to be burning more calories. So that's basically how in the real world we measure energy expended. It's not as simple as checking your heart rate and your watch giving you a number. And that's why your smartwatch is probably wrong or at least quite inaccurate. So your sports watch is just giving you a rough estimate of how many calories you've burned in your workout. It can't measure how much oxygen you consumed and how much carbon dioxide you produced. It can't account for your muscle mass or your fat mass. It can have up to an error of 50%. And that's just from studies that have actually been done. There's probably a huge range of smartwatches that haven't had in-depth research into them done. In saying that, it shouldn't be your main focus. Burning calories or consuming calories is just how life works and it shouldn't be a point of obsession or control. And that's not at all what I wanted to get out of this podcast. It was more just kind of explaining how it all works. And I'm so sorry of how messy it was and I'm not saying I'm a guru or an expert at all. I just wanted to share my bit of knowledge that I have in this area. And I'm very aware that it was pretty rusty because as we all know if you don't constantly revise material it does get a bit hard to remember off by heart and explain well so I'm sorry if this was a bit rusty and if there are a little bit of mistakes but I hope this gave you like the gist of it and the rough idea of what calories actually are and how we measure the way that we burn them so I'm going to wrap this one up here and I just remembered I'm supposed to be doing a quote so you know what I'm gonna BRB and have a little think about my quote before I give that to you so I don't come up with some really random whack type of quote. Okay, I'm back. I have scrolled the depths of my Pinterest and Google and Instagram and I couldn't hit the nail on the head until I found this one quote which I want to preface with a few other little ones. So the first one is food is fuel. Don't be afraid of energy or calories. Your body needs that fuel to live its best life. And obviously listen to your body, you know, nourish yourself and, you know, honor your body. And the reason I wanted to give these kind of food related quotes is because when it comes to calories and energy, I want people to see it as energy and not numbers. And that leads me to the quote that I came across that I think is pretty beautiful, which I will leave you guys with today. So enjoy your body, use it every way you can. Don't be afraid of it or what other people think of it, it's the greatest instrument you'll ever own. How beautiful was that? So I hope I can leave you on that note. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I will add that I'm still a student studying, so I'm still learning. And even when I'm finished being a student, I'm still learning, like everybody's still learning. So I always have an open mind and the things that we learn now might change in the future so any type of information that you get just make sure you critically appraise it you know take everything with a grain of salt when you read studies you don't know how accurate they are or if they change but for now the knowledge that I shared I hope it was insightful and educational and interesting that is all for today's episode thank you guys so much for listening I hope that you will join me in the next episode and if you did enjoy this podcast please share it with your friends or family or anyone who you think might enjoy it and I 
don't really know how podcasting works, but you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, I think it is. And I'm pretty sure that helps me if you do that. So (laughs) that would also be great if you had a moment to do that too. And that is all for now. Bye.